Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. The veteran community has a warm place in the hearts of people here at EIG. Our founder, Karen Ellen Becker's son, Jeff, is a veteran. We support various veteran events through sponsorships. We host a veterans event every year where we invite local veterans groups to have a table right in our parking lot where they can share what they do, they can share their mission, their vision, and we have food, music, and games to boot. So that's an exciting event. I've also interviewed, I think it's up to 16 nonprofits to date that serve veterans. We feel that they need to be celebrated and they need to be highlighted and thanked for the selfless service that they've given to us and our country. So a big thank you to all of you veterans and servicemen and women out there. Today I'm going to add to that number of nonprofits that serve veterans, and I'm very happy to do that. My first guest today is Chris Colenda, founder of the Sabre Six Foundation. Welcome to the show today, Chris. Jill, thank you very much, and I really appreciate Ellen Becker's support for her veterans. You're absolutely welcome. So I understand that you are a retired U.S. Army colonel. So first of all, thank you for your service. Well, the Army had a sense of humor. They just kept promoting me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was well-deserved. Um, but you're also founder of an organization called Strategic Leaders Academy. But that's not what you want to talk about on today's show, is it? The, the foundation that you want people to know about uh, is what we're going to highlight today. So tell us a little bit about yourself first before we jump into telling our audience about the foundation. Sure. Thanks for that opportunity, Jill. Um, so I, I served 24 and a half years in the, in the Army as a Cavalryman and paratrooper. Um, in 2007, I led a task force of 800 paratroopers in eastern Afghanistan, provinces called uh, Kunar and Nuristan. And it was a 15-month deployment, and it was one of the nastiest places in the in the country. We can we can talk about a little bit about that uh, later if you wish. Um, but it was the only example of, I think, in the 20-year history of the war, uh, where our our paratroopers motivated a large insurgent group to stop fighting and switch sides. And they were fighting the Taliban right up until the very end. Mm. Um, after that deployment, I was uh, told to go to the Pentagon and help the Obama administration write the new strategy for Afghanistan. And then I was back out in Afghanistan nine months later as a senior advisor to General McChrystal and then Petraeus. Um, back to the Pentagon, and uh, I was asked to be the Secretary of Defense's personal representative in some of the early talks we had with the Taliban back in like 20, 2011, 2012, 2013. So I declined a senior command for that and uh, served the Secretary of Defense as his advisor in those talks um, as, a, as the Department of Defense civilian and then went back out to Afghanistan for a final tour as a senior advisor to General Dunford. Um, and, and then I resigned from the government and started my own consulting business. So I do leadership consulting at Strategic Leaders Academy. 
And then this year I founded the Sabre Six Foundation. Mm, impressive. I mean, you've got impressive credentials. Again, uh, you've got a lot of experience in the leadership field, so it makes sense you'd start a, start an organization in that regard. Tell us, though, about the foundation, the Sabre Six Foundation. How did you come up with the name, and what does it mean? Uh, so the Sabre Six Foundation is designed to help the 800 veterans from my unit, from my unit in Afghanistan from 15 years ago, to overcome the psychological wounds of combat. We've all got them. You don't go through those kind of experiences without being affected. And I want to help them, or I want to do what I can to help them, you know, deal with those effects and, and also to, to achieve new dreams. Um, so that's, that's what the foundation's all about. That's like, I guess the first part of the mission. We've also, we also have a strategic partnership with the Rotary Club of Milwaukee, who has agreed to let us establish a scholarship foundation in the names of the six paratroopers who were killed in action from our unit in Afghanistan back in 2007. Mm. So your mission is twofold, just so that we understand. Uh, number one, you help the units, your units, veterans and their families recover from psychological injuries and, as you said, achieve their dreams, which we'll get into, uh, we can get into that a little bit more later, and also supporting uh, a Rotary Club of Milwaukee scholarship endowment in some of your your paratroopers' names. Yeah, in the names of the six who were killed in action. Okay. Okay. Um, over 7,000 American service members were killed in the post-9-11 wars. Over 30,000 have died by suicide. That's four times higher than combat fatalities. Many others suffer substance abuse, broken relationships, depression, and other challenges. We're going to take a quick break here, but when we return, we're going to learn how the Sabre Six Foundation is supporting those suffering from some of these challenges. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community. With your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Chris Colenda, founder of the Sabre Six Foundation. So I'd like to take a deeper dive into what specifically you're doing to help veterans and their families with certain challenges that they face. So Let's start with those who come home safely and need to reacclimate, Chris. What, what kinds of things do you offer in that regard? One of the biggest challenges that veterans coming home from combat have is, is the happiness curve. So the happiness curve is, according to a number of, of studies, your happiness curve is shaped like a U. And the top of the U on the left-hand side is about age 20. And the top of the U on the right-hand side is about age 60 or so. The bottom of the U is age 47.2, mm. to be very specific. Okay. Um, and, and so what happens with a lot of veterans, a lot of veterans will look back on their time in combat. I mean, despite the difficulties, despite the heartbreak of losing their comrades and seeing people wounded, they'll look back on that time as among the happiest times of their lives. And the reason they do is because, first of all, the average age is 18 to about 25 or 26 years old. 
when they're in combat. They have this tremendous sense of purpose. You know, they're serving their country. They're defending their country against 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 enemies. Um, and in this case, the ones who attacked us on September 11th. And they have this tremendous sense of belonging that the person to my left and the person to my right has got my back. I've got theirs and I've got the resources of the greatest country of the world at my um, at my call to help me be successful. So that's the situation when you're in in combat and you go through all of that and then you at some point you leave. You leave that unit, you leave the military and suddenly you don't have that sense of purpose mm -hmm. anymore. You don't have that sense of belonging. You think nobody gets me. Nobody has got me. Nobody's got my back. Nobody knows how to help me. And, and at the same time you're facing that, you're heading towards the bottom of the happiness curve. So this is 15 years since our unit was out there in eastern Afghanistan. And so those, the average demographic, the average age is now 35 to 45 years old. So they're actually entering the danger, most dangerous parts of their lives. Mm -hmm. We've lost more paratroopers from our unit to death by suicide and substance abuse than we had killed in combat. Mm -hmm. um, and, and my fear is it's only going to get worse. Yeah. So you know, some people find new belonging and purpose right away. So their you is pretty shallow. And I want to help them soar to new heights. Um, they might have found a new business, a new nonprofit. We want to help them soar. There are other people whose you is a bit more pronounced. We might call it midlife crisis. And we are going to help them to, to recover, to bounce back stronger and build new dreams. Mm. Um, and then there are some who that you is pretty steep. And you, at some point, you cross the line into depression, self-harm, substance abuse, death by suicide. And we want to help them reforge their lives. Yeah. And you know, help before they get to that point. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and some are already there. I mean, one... One guy, I'll call him Tommy, was uh, one of our biggest firefights, was shot right through the neck. And he, amazingly, he lived. He lived through that experience. And not only did he live and go back and recover, but he actually joined us for the last three or four months of our deployment. Mm -hmm. He didn't have to. He could have stayed home, rejoined us. And he left the military afterwards and he, you know, he, he'd get a job, never felt like he fit, get another job, never felt like he fit, get another job, just wasn't the right purpose for him. He now sits in his apartment at home um, and just drinks all day because he doesn't, he, he's never been, he's never been able to find that new sense of purpose and joy in his life. Another one named Justin, um, we'll call him Justin, one of my, one of our very best non-commissioned officers. We knew that this guy was going to be a command sergeant major one day, like the highest enlisted rank. He, um, he left the military and he now lives in a dumpster. 
He lives in a dumpster outside of a city library in Northern California. Mm-hmm. And he's a meth addict. Um, and, you know, I can't just, I've been very fortunate these last 15 years. I can't just know this is happening with people who had my back in combat in Afghanistan. I can't just see this happening and not do something about it. Yeah. Wow. So when, when, when they're ready, we're going to be there to, to help them, help them move forward. And, um, for those who are wanting to soar to new heights, you know, with coaching, career counseling and other things, we're going to help them build new dreams. If, as long as you think your best days are in your rear view mirror, that just leads to all sorts of bad things. Yeah. I mean, you can't go forward if you're just looking in the rear view mirror, but if you've got something in the windshield that you want to achieve, all things are possible. You're going to lock arms and help them to accomplish that. You know it. That's, that's wonderful. Um, now let's shift our focus to those six paratroopers from your unit who were killed in action. What, what can you tell us about them and what are you doing to honor them? Yeah, all extraordinary people. Their names are Chris Pfeiffer, who's buried in Spalding, Nebraska. Adrian Hike, who's buried in Carroll City, Iowa. Jacob Lowell is buried in Elwood, Illinois. Ryan Fritchie is buried just outside of Indianapolis, Indiana. Dave Boris is buried in eastern Pennsylvania, a place called Minersville. And then Tom Bostick is buried in Arlington National Cemetery. So we're coming up on the 15-year anniversary of when all, all of them were killed in action. And I always want to do something special to, you know, to commemorate their sacrifice, maybe a bit, and, you know, to tell their stories, at least their stories as I knew them. Um, and, and so I decided that I'm going to, yeah, I could drive to the grave sites, but that'd be too lame. Um, I, I could walk it, but it would just take way too long to walk it. So I thought, I know what I can do. I can pedal a bike. And I can pedal a bike 1,700 miles from Spalding, Nebraska, all the way to Arlington National Cemetery, visiting each of their grave sites, and and then use it as a as a fundraiser for the Sabre Six Foundation. So we're going to start at Chris Pfeiffer's grave site on September 25th of of uh, 2022. So 15 and it's 15 years to the day when he died of wounds after being shot. Mm-hmm. Um, his mom and dad, Mike and Darlene will be, Darlena will be there. So will his widow, Karen and their daughter, Peyton, who was born two days after Chris died. So she never got to meet her dad. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they'll all be there at the start. Um, Peyton is, uh, apparently a computer whiz kid and, um, and, uh, I believe that the foundation is going to be helping, uh, Peyton pursue that computer dream of, uh, that she's got of hers. And, uh, so wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and they've all got these extraordinary stories. Um, and you know, I, I look forward to, to seeing all the, you know, all the families. I, I know, I know most of them, uh, or at least I know five of the six families pretty well. And I look forward to seeing them and talking about their loved ones and, and, uh, you know, Supporting them and and also um, a lot of the paratroopers from those f- 
from these units, their buddies will be there at the grave sites too. Yeah. Um, and it'll be good. We'll have a, we'll have a reunion at the end of it mm. um, in Washington, D.C. Wow. That's, that's wonderful. I encourage our listening audience to go to Chris's uh, Saber Six Foundation website because you can learn more about that event and we'll, we'll share that information in a little bit here. But I think it's wonderful that you want to be sure that people really know who these men were. I mean, I, I saw something on your website. They all looked so young, so young. Um, but you want to make sure that, that people know who these men are uh, that lost their lives while they were protecting us. And I think it's important that their memories uh, live on. What can you tell us about the 800 paratroopers and their families? Yeah, they they went through, most of them went through 15 months of, of combat, one of the most difficult and dangerous places in the country. They, I mean, what they did out there was extraordinary to include motivating this big insurgent group to stop fighting and, and switch sides. Um, they've all got dreams. And you know, I mentioned a little, little bit of that earlier where some have built new businesses and we're going to help them soar to new heights. Um, others are dealing with the kind of midlife crisis that a lot of people deal with. And we're going to help them bounce back, bounce back stronger, um, get them focused on the windshield and not the rear view mirror. And then, and then for those who have gone into a dark place, I mentioned uh, Tommy, Justin, there are others. We want to help them when they're ready. We want to be there for them so that they can reforge their lives. And, um, you know, we, we want them to, to know that they're, and, and to come to the conclusion that their lives are worth living. Absolutely, yeah. And if, you know, if in 15 years, you know, everybody's alive and everybody's thriving. Yeah, I feel like we did some good. Absolutely. Well, we know that support is so important for all the organizations that we interview because they can only provide help to the extent that those support services can take them, right? So could you share where people can go to find out more about um, the 1,700-mile bike ride, the honor ride, and also more, uh, more about the Sabre 6 Foundation in particular? Sure. You, you can go to sabersixfoundation.com. Uh, that's, the, that's the quickest way to get there. Or even quicker would be honorride.us. So honorride.us, not honorride.com. So honorride.us, United States. Okay. Well, thank you. And thank you for sharing uh, more about your story and how you're uh, looking to make an impact with those six paratroopers that gave their lives for, for us and to honor them. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. You're welcome. Uh, servicemen and women uh, are not the only ones to risk their lives on the daily to protect and provide help to others, either outside of our country or within our own community. Wisconsin has over 4,000 professional firefighters, with nearly 700 of them in the Milwaukee Fire Department alone. Stay tuned because when we return, we're going to learn about a nonprofit whose mission is to provide emotional and physical support and financial assistance to Milwaukee firefighters and first responders who have to deal with some very challenging situations every day. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo on News Talk 1130 WISN. 
brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. And my next guest today is one of Chris's best friends. They work together in different capacities. Welcome to the show today, Joe Flick, founder and president of Ignite the Spirit Milwaukee. It's a nonprofit organization that helps firefighters and first responders who are dedicated to and who risk their lives by helping others every single day. Their mission is to ensure that their brothers and sisters are never left to battle life's hardships alone. Thank you, Jill. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you to EIG for letting us be here today. You are welcome. You're welcome. So let's start, Joe, by having you share a little bit about yourself. And then what's it like to be a firefighter these days? Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I'm a, a husband and a father, and I was born and raised in the city of Milwaukee. And I've been very fortunate for the last nearly 20 years to spend my professional life as a Milwaukee firefighter. I uh, worked in all different corners of the city, currently serve as a fire lieutenant uh, in the inner city on uh, Titonia and Locust at Engine 30. So these days, it's the fire department has really evolved into such an all-hazards agency. There's so much that we do that I don't think the public really understands. But basically, if there's ever something that the public needs a hand with that, you know, it's not a very clear phone book directory for who to call, they call 911 and we show up with about two minutes to figure it out. And, and sometimes the scenes are more chaotic than the ones we were just at. And it, it's really a exciting endeavor most days. Well, I think about the TV shows that are on now about firefighters and they 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 kind of glamorize it, right? I mean, they obviously go into some issues, but um, it's pretty cool, I think, that to be a firefighter and, you know, especially with young, young boys, you know, they can aspire to do some of the great things that you guys do. It's pretty exciting. And I, I'm definitely one that likes to romanticize what it is that we do as firefighters. And I mean, just the other night, we had one that, you know, they couldn't even have written the script for in Chicago Fire. It was just showing up for something uh, traumatic like a shooting and then having it turned into a house fire. It really keeps you on your toes. And what's exciting about that is that young boys and girls are starting to see what we're doing and, and our recruiting efforts to increase the diversity in our workforce are really going through the roof. Yeah. And, you know, people, I'm sure they realize it, but I think it's important to um, make sure that the the public understands the the risk you know we talk about you guys put your lives on the line every single day you know maybe there's not a fire every single day but when you are going out there you are you're really putting your life on the line so you know the question that needs to be asked is when when the people who help us each and every day and risk their lives in the process when they need help who's going to help them right ignite the spirit milwaukee started as an answer to this question. So tell us about it. Uh, why was it created? Well, you know, I think it's important to introduce the fact that like firefighters, just like veterans, it's very hard for them to ask for help. And most of them won't. And, you know, this is, uh, if I can, I got to pay homage to our sister chapter in Chicago. This is something that started there in 2003. And I had some interactions with them through a time that I played football for the Chicago Fire Department and all of their games were fundraisers for Ignite the Spirit. So in 2016, we had some very young, sick firefighters on the job. Things that fell outside of normal benefits and what they would cover and protect them with. Um, one had a form of cancer that he wasn't covered by a, a cancer bill that we had. 
and another gentleman had a series of strokes that you know took him from being 35 to about 70 overnight mm. and seeing these unfold there are some very grassroots fundraising efforts very heartwarming things being done to, to provide for the families and I reached out to a friend in Chicago and said, hey, you know, we want to do something formal up here and we want to sit down and talk about what you did when you started and what you would avoid and do again. And within 24 hours, we had a sit down meeting and they provided full support to get us up and rolling as a sister chapter. So a completely nice. standalone entity and uh, kind of opened up the playbook for how, you know, I could get rolling with it. I put together a small team and, and we got to work right away. And we knew that we had to get to work quick because we had not only those two firefighters, but we had another firefighter that uh, later that year, come December of 2017, would end up passing away from cancer after a five-year battle. Mm. And it was ultimately leaving her funeral in December that I knew we were on the right path. Like seeing the support from the community that was there, we had to do something. And, and this was going to be the answer. is a way that we could help our brothers and sisters and finally get to invite the community in to help and understand what it is that we do day in and day out. Well, thank you for standing up and taking charge and getting it going here in Milwaukee. Um, I understand that there are two main areas of focus for programming. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, we believe heavily in, in supporting our firefighters and their family units at home. Um, so our firefighter and family fund is pretty much our general fund for the things that we impact, whether it's illness, injury, um, prolonged sickness that maybe the spouse is dealing with that, that might not necessarily physically affect the firefighter or a child. But we believe that if we can find ways to support them through that, we're going to have a better firefighter working alongside of us. And most importantly, the people that we serve are going to have a better firefighter working for them. Right. And so for us, like that's a very clear line for like, if you're going to support this organization, you're making a point to really get a better service on the back end. And then our next one is our all hands initiative. And unfortunately, this day and age, there are more firefighters and first responders that are passing away due to suicide than they are actually dying in the line of duty on the fire ground. Mm -hmm. And as inexcusable as that is, it shows that there's some room for growth for how we can provide better services for them. Um, so basically we work with different entities such as Milwaukee's peer support team and when they identify a firefighter that needs immediate assistance, we pretty much, without questions asked, so to speak, provide immediate transport for them to get to an inpatient treatment center, most of them specifically dealing with first responders and firefighters. Mm. Wow. You know, you, you, you talk about that statistic, and it, it's similar to the veterans, right, that coming back uh, after serving overseas in whatever capacity, um, they're at risk more so than they were actually fighting in the war, not to downplay that at all, but to understand um, what they've been through. And it sounds like it's the same with firefighters and first responders. You know, that what you see and what you deal with on a daily basis is tough stuff. Absolutely. Like what Chris mentioned, how, you know, the peak of their, their happiness when they self-identify is the time that they serve. It's very much the same with our first responders and specifically our firefighters. You know, some of our most wild nights, like, are the ones that people talk about. Mm -hmm. It's hmm. kind of, you know, the ability to operate within that team and, and, you know, share a mission is something that really, you know, brightens the heart of some of our people, so to speak. Yeah. And like you said, you want to make sure that your brothers and sisters, as you refer to them, are... Um, They've got your back, like Chris talked about, and you want to make sure that they are as healthy as they can be physically and emotionally, right? 
Yeah. The main purpose of our show is to inform our audience about the great things that are going on in our community. And, you know, we deal with some very challenging issues. We're not trying to sweep that under the rug or to to say that it doesn't exist. But the fact is, is that there are so many people who want to help, so many people who want to take a stand and make a difference in some way. They want to inspire and impact people in the community in a way that creates a desire for others to want to make an impact. So stay tuned because when we return, we're going to hear some stories of impact. And Joe will also share how you can be a part of making a difference for someone in our community in some way. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking in this last segment with Joe Flick, founder and president of Ignite the Spirit Milwaukee. So let's talk impact, Joe. Tell us what it's like for the first family who was impacted by Ignite the Spirit Milwaukee. So when we started this organization, we definitely felt a very real need to get up and running fast. So it was a very full frontal assault to to grow within our own department, within the Milwaukee Fire Department, as well as to grow within the public eye. And we knew that if something were to happen before we were ready, we weren't going to be able to just say, hey, give us a couple months and we'll put something together. Because the important thing is that what we do is meant to be proactive so that we can show up immediately to help. Uh, at the time, I'm working at uh, Rescue 2 in 2018, uh, which is one of the best firehouses in the city of Milwaukee to be from. And one of the members of my crew had a wife that had been enduring cancer for the last five or so years. And it was right around Christmas, and they were, by all accounts, doing fine. And then a couple days before, get a phone call that she was going to be going into the hospital. And we really didn't, nobody saw it coming, let alone you know him and his own family. And we're working then on Christmas Day, and I get a co- phone call from this firefighter's dad saying that his wife had passed away. On Christmas Day. On Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And it, it sucked the wind out of the whole firehouse. I mean, the I can imagine. even on our worst days for you know call volume and intensity, there's still you know, lots of camaraderie and laughs around the firehouse, and you could just see that you know, this took the sails down. Yeah. And we immediately knew, like, hey, this is what we've been working for the last, you know, last year for us to get this up and running, so that we can make sure that we provide an immediate impact for this family. And as things played out, there were different opportunities that presented itself. But really, what we knew was going to be the home run for helping would be if we could make sure that we can throw a benefit that was very fitting for this family and the type of woman that she was and the type of man that he is and was going to continue to be. And we were able to find an establishment that let us host a. Uh, host an event that we pretty much brought in all of our own uh, refreshments <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, at, at risk of their liquor license, pretty much sold everything for a donation basis. Mm. And about eight hours later, we shut down that party and we were able to present that family with a $35,000 check, oh, wow. essentially wiping out what was left over their medical debt from the different trials and, and travels that they had to go to, to, to endure those, those treatments. Wow. Um, and, and that showed us right away what we were able to do just by pulling in some help outside of the fire department. I mean, helping our own is not new to firefighters. 
and in, in the past, we passed the hat, and, and again, going back to some of those grassroots efforts, there's lots of ways to take care of each other. Mm-hmm. But every year, the fire departments get a little bit smaller, whether it's through retirement or through budget cuts, and that uh, it's just not sustainable to rely on that same group of firefighters to provide this type of help. And there's lots of people out there that think what we do is, is pretty cool, which I like to agree with them. Yes, <laughs> yes. And lots of people that want to help, right? Yeah. You know, unless you don't know unless you ask. Right. And uh, it's amazing if, if someone says, and it does happen, people will say, I just don't know where to help. Mm-hmm. And that's why doing this show has been such um, a blessing because we're able to share uh, different things that different organizations do, and it will hit somebody right you know, right, right in the heart. Um, it's going to impact people. Uh, it's going to inspire people. And, and that's why we love, we love doing the show and highlighting organizations like Ignite the Spirit. Um, what are some things that stand out to you, though, about Ignite the Spirit, Milwaukee's ability to help? And how many firefighters and families would you say you've impacted? Over the course of our very short existence, we very not too long ago, have reached over our 100th family that we've been able to serve. Oh, wonderful. And 100 and families. 100 wow. Families. And, wow. And sometimes it's in, in very kind gestures, such as uh, a month of meals showing up after somebody has a surgery or, yeah. or an illness. It and all counts. Yeah, it all absolutely, counts. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes it's it's something that's a, you know, a little bit more of an impact. It takes a little bit more forward planning to, to get everything in order. But what really stands out about it is our firefighters never ask for that help. They never assume that it's coming, but the gratitude that they have for both the organization and the people that have supported this organization is overwhelming. I imagine. Uh, the yeah. family that I mentioned earlier on, he has now become one of our biggest volunteers, biggest advocates to be able to help grow this organization's mission moving forward. And the way that he interacts with other firefighters that are going through a tough time has made, some, made him such a valuable resource. And I, I truly do believe that what he's gone through in the healing process of that, while the work has largely been his own, was kind of sped up a little bit by knowing that his brothers and sisters were working before that happened to help him out. Absolutely. And the support that we've received from the community, what's amazing to me, you mentioned how, like, hey, you have to ask. Largely, we haven't. It's, It's people that see what firefighters do, that day in and day out are appreciative of it. And, and moving forward, like when people want to know, like, how can I help this organization? It doesn't have to always be on a monetary basis where right. you send in you know, a check at the end of the year. I mean, by all means, that certainly helps. Mm-hmm. But when you see the firefighters at the grocery store, say hi to them, ask them how their day is going. That interaction with the community is really what our people thrive on, is knowing that there's people that appreciate what we're doing day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we just need to uh, be aware of that, you know, to just express our gratitude as you say just don't keep it in just be willing to to thank people for the work that they do um how do you um how do you sustain the foundation you know how how does ignite the spirit milwaukee raise funds you had mentioned you have events but is that the main source or how how else do you raise funds so first and foremost it's it's very important that we mention all of the people that are involved in growing this organization are full-time working firefighters. So we don't have a fancy board of directors that has people in all different departments of, of the city and organizations that can help us grow. This has been done by people that every third day are working on the front lines, working on fire engines and going out there and taking calls. So none of us are professionals. This is all 100% volunteer. And we're not afraid to do the heavy lifting that inch this organization forward. 
most of our events at this point are still self-hosted. And because the nature of what we do, we kind of work in the sadness business, right? Like when families need help, we step in and we help and it's, they're not always, you know, very exciting things to talk about. We swing the other way with our events. We make it a point that our events are fun. We don't do the, the, the stuffy gala that, you know, we put up a bunch of stories of, of sadness and impact on the screen. But when you come to our events, you know, traditionally one of our largest events is our firefighter calendar. As cliche mm -hmm. as that is, it has just been a home run for this organization getting out there and having the world, you know, introduce and learn who, who we are. Um, we have a fire truck poll where people get to come out and compete with, with whether it's uh, employees and their teams from work or just groups of friends that come out and compete and pull a giant fire truck for time. And then we even have our 200 plus mile bike ride where we leave the Wisconsin firefighter and EMS memorial in Wisconsin Rapids and bring it home to Milwaukee. And all of those events are very heavily attended and driven by our firefighters, but it's also civilians and people from the community that are coming out to support it and have a good time. Okay. So if we get a call for a calendar, <laughs> if anybody gets a call for a calendar, support it. How much are the calendars, by the way? Those usually sell for $20. They come out in the fall, obviously, prior to the year's end. Okay. And uh, all that information can be found on our website. Yeah. I mean, who can't afford to give $20 for the people that, you know, have our backs and each and every day? And you appreciate firefighters all year round. There you go. Every every month of the year. <laughs> I, award, I understand that you received an award from Positively Milwaukee. I saw it on the website. Um it, it's exciting things that you have done in the past, but tell us what the future looks like. Yeah, I mean, going back to how the community has supported this, it's been just unbelievable how, like, again, I'm just a firefighter. The people that grow this organization, we're just firefighters. This is our life's work. But to be able to have this and have people like TMJ4 with Positively Milwaukee notice and decide to bring us into a really cool award show or the Milwaukee Business Journal, like, this, these are some of the area's biggest hitters, right? And for this to keep moving that way, you know, we just hope that people can continue with their advocacy for this organization. And, you know, if you see firefighters out on the street doing something really cool and, and it pulls at your heartstrings a little bit, by all means, think of Ignite the Spirit Milwaukee and how you can support them on the back end of whatever they're going through. Yeah. And buy a calendar. <laughs> By a calendar. Well, we want to be sure people listening are aware of how they can help support. Okay, so we talked about the calendar, um, supporting the events. Again, as you said, it's not just from a monetary standpoint, but again, you need funds to be able to do what you do, right? So uh, advocacy is important. Um, what other ways can people support you? I really think that word of mouth is the best way to, to grow anything or to tell people that about something that you believe in. And since our inception in 2018, we've had the ability to help some really cool people and some really good families that are going through some, some rough times. And that really hasn't stopped at Milwaukee. We've had the ability to impact families out in the suburbs and different fire departments that are serving. So it's important to get it out there that, you know, we're here to help. We feel a very strong responsibility that for, you know, if your grandma gave us $20 and she lives outside the city of Milwaukee, she doesn't care where that money is going. She just wants to know that a firefighter is being impacted. Right. And for these other departments that are around that might see us out here working and see our events, drop in, say hi. Like, let's grow a relationship so that we're able to help your people when they need it to. Absolutely. Wow. Well, we never have enough time to get into everything we want to talk about. And our goal here is to just plant a seed so that people are aware and that people will go to your website. So one more time, give us your website. 
You can find out more at IgniteTheSpiritMKE.org. Okay, wonderful. Well, I want to thank my guest today, Chris Colenda with the Sabre 6 Foundation, and you, Joe Flick, founder and president of Ignite the Spirit Milwaukee. Thank you both, first, for your service, and also for sharing the different things that you do to serve others. So thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. You're welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today or if you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 to learn more about the ways people and organizations are inspiring and impacting others and making a big difference in our community through their initiatives. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I also encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows or listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. If you'd like to make a difference by supporting the Sabre 6 Foundation or Ignite the Spirit Milwaukee, Be sure to reach out to either Chris or Joe for more information. Decide how you want to be a blessing and give a blessing to someone in some way. Thanks for listening today and have a great day.